assumptions, expectations. We all have them, and they are as varied as there are people. At times, we are spot on with them. Other times, however, what we expect or assume can either get us into trouble or, or be quite embarrassing. It was a lovely party, an outdoor dinner party at the home of a couple who were two of my late parents' best friends, and many people well known to me were there. It was a time to catch up with folks I had not seen in some time. And as I finished talking with a fellow, I turned around and bumped into Blair, and last time I'd seen her, she was in high school. We were in our 30s by that point. We immediately filled each other in on what had happened during our 20s. It was then that I noticed something about her, and having known her well, I did not hesitate. I asked her, Blair, how many weeks along are you? Weeks along in what, she replied. And after a long pregnant pause, no pun intended, <laughs> she said, who told you I was pregnant? I am not. Boy, my assumption was way off. Then there was a time I had a psychology practice, and one day I had received an unusual call. It was from a woman I did not know. She contacted me on behalf of a friend and was calling to make an appointment for her. Weeks later, I walked into my waiting room to introduce myself to this new person, and when I entered the waiting room, I encountered a very bizarre sight. A woman was sitting in a chair, and she was wearing a strange hat with a feather and a veil that covered her face, and she had this very unusual, big, heavy coat on. Frankly, I'd never seen such weird clothes before. When I walked into the waiting room, she quickly raised her hands over her face and started crying, and I think I said something like, I'm so glad you were here. And I sat down in a chair next to her and asked her what had brought her into my office, and through tears, she mumbled something entirely and completely incoherent. After a few moments, I repeated my question. This time, she wailed and mumbled some more with her hands over her face, and suddenly the woman jumped up and plopped herself down onto my lap. Stunned, not stunned, I quickly stood up and encouraged her to sit down. And with this request, she leapt toward me and threw her arms around me. And as I struggled to peel her arms off of me and wondered how to get to a phone, the woman began to laugh. And as she laughed, her hat came off, as did her veil. And she fell on the floor laughing. And when I looked down at her, I could not believe my eyes. It was my beloved wife, Regina. <laughs> When she stopped laughing, she told me that she and a friend had cooked the whole thing up just for fun, that she had borrowed some bizarre clothes and worked hard to disguise herself. Certainly, she got me. It was a candid camera moment and another great example of how our assumptions and expectations can simply be wrong. I never expected her to do that. Well, I share these somewhat humorous stories in a time in which it can be hard to find any levity. I guess when I was writing this sermon this week, I felt like having a little smile with a few memories that bring me some joy. I do this knowing full well that I don't need to review where we are on this Sunday in April 2020, as each of us is well acquainted with our worries, hurts, pains, hardships, and prayerful hopes. I know like waves on a coast somewhere, we all have our up and down moments, 
and perhaps even thoughts of just being done with this whole darn thing. Yet it is precisely at this point in time, I believe, we are wise to pay attention to not only our expectations for where we are and what lies ahead, but the assumptions we hold that inform our day-to-day -day living, whether we are aware of them or not. So I have some questions for you this morning and some questions for me. What are we expecting to happen in the days ahead? What are we expecting the future to hold? What do we assume about ourselves and other people? And perhaps most importantly, what are our expectations and assumptions about God and who we are in relationship with God? Our gospel reading we heard a moment ago is from Luke, and it is about one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. Recall in Scripture we are told that Jesus appeared to over 500 people after the sun rose on Easter morning and the days that followed. Our story this morning is about one such time Jesus showed up after he rose from the dead. In the story, we heard about two people who had put their hopes and dreams and aspirations into Jesus. We don't know precisely what the relationship with Jesus had been, but whatever it was, it is evident that they felt as if they had lost it all after Jesus' death. Let's dissect this story briefly. It was Easter morning and two companions were walking down a road away from Jerusalem toward a town called Emmaus. Scripture says that the two were downtrodden. Their faces were downcast. They looked sad or they were gloomy, depending upon which version of the Bible you read. It's clear that they were having a very tough time as they walked down that road. More than tough, in fact, their world had been turned upside down. The expectations and assumptions they held before Jesus was crucified had to be jettisoned as they walked together in their new normal. Well, on their way toward Emmaus, Jesus comes up and asks them what's going on. And although it is Jesus, they do not recognize that it is Jesus. Why they don't recognize him is a bit of a mystery. Perhaps they were so depressed they couldn't see who was right in front of them, or Jesus might have looked so different in resurrected form they couldn't tell who he was. But I think they did not recognize Jesus ultimately because they assumed Jesus was dead, and they expected never to hear from him again. Well, as they walk along, they tell this stranger, who is actually Jesus, about Jesus, and after the two companions stop talking, Jesus teaches them about the scriptures and tells them that the ancient prophets predicted all that had recently happened. And later when they get near Emmaus, Jesus acts as if he's going to leave the two companions behind and continue on down the road, but the two insist that Jesus stay with them as darkness is approaching. Well, Jesus agrees, and it's during this course of a meal they suddenly recognize their guest, and Jesus then vanishes. And even though it's late, the two quickly get up and head back to Jerusalem to share their encounter with the risen Lord, with the apostles. And upon arriving in the city, they tell the apostles what had happened. And as they do so, Jesus appears among them. This morning's story from Luke is about many things. And it's rich with layers and layers of meaning. On the surface, the story is simply about the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he appeared to his followers and the two companions on the road to Emmaus. It, 
like a few of the other post-resurrection appearances to hundreds and hundreds of people, were recorded and written down so that we too might trust the events of Easter through eyewitness testimony. The story of the walk to Emmaus, however, is ultimately a story that points to the truth that what we expect of God and assume often influences how we see God and our own lives. In the 1990s, when I was in seminary, a fellow named Jake Owensby was a couple of years ahead of me. He's now a bishop in the Episcopal Church, and he's written a great little book called A Resurrection-Shaped Life. I love the title, and I'm going to use the title to inform what follows this morning. And while other than one point in the book I'll mention, I'm not going to get into the book as a whole, but I am going to get into the title. Because I want us to consider what a resurrection-shaped life means to begin with. Well, I believe that when we are living a resurrection-shaped life, it means our expectations and assumptions about ourselves, others, and God are all shaped, informed, affected, and grounded in the truth that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And when we trust that Jesus rose from the dead, when we trust Easter, what we expect and assume changes just about everything in our lives. A resurrection-shaped life means we are Easter people despite in the midst of whatever is happening around us. And while the world may change, Easter does not. And while circumstances may be topsy-turvy, Easter is consistent. And perhaps most importantly, while we may not know what a given day holds, because of Easter, we can count on some very important things day by day. And so for a moment, let's look at such things, things we can count on and rely upon during our shared new normal, all because of Easter. Yes, Easter is about Jesus rising from the dead, but the Easter story is not just about eternal life, loving reunions with those we miss, and then a new life awaits us after this one. Easter is about much more than these things. You see, the empty tomb not only shattered what death is about, but the empty tomb, in fact, gave birth to what this life is about. Life is about realizing there is always more going on than meets the eye. So much more. There is another world embedded right now within this visible world. What we see is not all there is. God's kingdom, God's world, God's presence, God's way of doing things is infused into this world, even when we think we cannot see it. Life is about embracing the truth that God is always at work in God's world. And as Easter people, life is also about realizing there is another presence within our body other than just our own. The very presence of God is within you and within me. And this morning, regardless of where you are or what you're feeling or going through, there is a power right now within you, a source of power greater than any power on earth, power greater than what this virus can do, power greater than any challenge you are facing. The very presence and power of God is within you, the same power that made everything there is, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. 
Easter also teaches us that life is about embracing the hope that anything is possible with God. God raised Jesus from the dead. Talk about anything being possible. And then there are these stories from Scripture about anything being possible with God. God gave Mary the strength to raise a son knowing she would have to let him go. God gave Esther the power to confront a king and prevent the slaughter of countless people. God gave Ruth and Naomi the power to persist through grief. God gave David the power to lead in the midst of personal weaknesses. God gave Paul the power to continue despite horrible circumstances. God gave Sarah what she needed to begin a very new life at a very old age. God gave Mary Magdalene the power to move beyond her past into a purpose-filled life. God gave Rahab the power to break free from an awful way of making a living. God gave Peter the power to let go of consuming guilt. And Easter and the stories of people leading up to Easter all tell us that anything is possible with God. And Easter tells us to trust this truth that anything is indeed possible with God in your life and in mine. But as Easter people, we also learn that life is about God's mending grace. Here's a very brief excerpt from the book I mentioned earlier, A Resurrection-Shaped Life. Grace mended the fragile body of Jesus. And now Jesus' resurrection is shaping our everyday, ordinary lives. God's best work is happening right now in the broken places of our lives. That's what it means to live a resurrection-shaped life. In other words, Easter tells us that life is about God's grace and healing power working through us right now to mend us, to make us whole, and to shape us past our wounds. Easter tells us that life, in part, is about being mended by God into who God made us to be. Said another way, whatever is happening within you or me right now, God is working to move us beyond the wounds that we carry, and to heal us, just like he did the wounds that Jesus had after his crucifixion. And there is more. Easter tells us that life is about taking on the values and priorities of Jesus and letting the rest go, as Jesus commanded and asked his followers to do after he appeared to them. If we want to live a life shaped by the resurrection, it means to work moment by moment on being Jesus' passionate presence for others, to allow ourselves to be infused by his spirit so that our day-to-day -day living is all about forgiveness, humility, selflessness, kindness, generosity, and love, to wake up each day and ask, how am I going to make today about God's love? That is a resurrection-shaped life. Easter, my friends, is as much about life now as it is about life in the beyond. Easter in the empty tomb can fundamentally change how you and I live each day. And as I've said many times before, we are indeed Easter people living in a Good Friday world, a virus-laden Good Friday world. And so to wrap up, Easter teaches us that in this life, there are some fundamental things that we can count on and act upon. There's always more going on than meets the eye. So when bad news surrounds us, recognize that there's more going on than we can see. 
we can trust our hope that God is working mightily even when we can't see God. God's presence through the Holy Spirit is within me and within you right now. God's power gives us the strength we need for whatever it is that we're facing. With God, because of Easter, anything is possible. God continually works through us to heal us and mend us and move us beyond our pains and hurts and burdens. And Easter teaches us that we are invited by God through his presence to be his presence, his followers, his ambassadors, and that by doing so, we will find why we have been given life to begin with. And finally, Easter teaches us that if God overcame death, God can overcome anything that life throws at us. I remember my story about my beloved wife disguising herself in my office in that strange outfit. I never expected her to do such a thing, nor did I ever assume she would ever look so strange. But the story is a great reminder that while our beloved Savior Jesus Christ will probably not show up in a costume, there is little doubt if we're open to new expectations and new assumptions that we may see Jesus working all around and through us in brand new surprising ways. And let us pray.